This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal is to provide our listeners with the real facts and the real stats about our local market. You wouldn't go into the football draft without a well-prepared game plan. Well, real estate is no different. We will provide you with the information that will help you make that well-prepared game plan so you will be a winner in the real estate market. And to help me with that today, we have a game plan with realtor extraordinaire George Meese. Um of Meese International Real Estate. <laughs> Good morning, Don. All right. You've been here once or twice before. So I think so. Are, but the amazing thing about you is that you are a um, constant listener to Welcome Home Radio because I often get a text after the show commenting that, you know. Being hey, critical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I know exactly where I messed up because you'll let me know. Yeah. No, I enjoy the show, and it's it's great information. Okay, and this is how you get your education, right? That's it. Don't even open a book. <laughs> that that part I believe, because you could actually <laughs> yeah. you could write the book. You've uh, been in real estate how many years? Uh, this is my forty fifth year, believe it or not. Okay, but I have to tell the listeners how we know that it's forty five years, and this shows that George is still young at heart, and maybe a lot like. You know, the millennials. So he said he got his license before the show. He said, well, let's see. I got my license in 74. Let me see how many years that is. And he immediately pulls out his iPhone and goes to his calculator. That's right. I take the easy path. (laughs) Of course, I just did it the old-fashioned way. I did it in my head. So uh, let's hope 45 is the correct answer then. <laughs> yeah, it may be 55, yeah. and you might be. Uh, well, older and Don, you you've been around a while too, so. Yeah, yeah uh, but not as long as you. I think we're pretty close. Yeah, I know. But anyway, we were only both two 20. years difference. I was 23 when I started. I was, believe it or not, 23 once. And how about you? You were probably younger than that. Yeah, I was 21 when I got my okay. license. Yeah. 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 How, what do you think of the career so far? Or are you still trying to figure out well, what you, know, you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> you know, it's funny because my grandfather was a, a broker for over 30 years, and he helped push me this direction. And most days I really thank him for that. And uh, there are those days sometimes in this business. What was he thinking? Why would he want to push you into this? <laughs> well, you know what? What I loved about it is he always was able to make time to do things with me. And I thought, you know... Uh, my dad was at work all the time, but, you know, we could break away sometimes and go fishing, do things like that. And just growing up, I, I realized somehow he was able to uh, make some of his own time. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when I started, everybody in my family is telling me, you need to go get a real job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's a funny story with that. <laughs> I, I learned early in my career, uh, uh, one of our real estate gurus, uh, a gentleman named Tommy Hopkins, he talked about his first six months in the business. And, and uh, after six months in the business, and this was in the late 70s, he said he, he divided the commissions he earned by the six months, and it worked out to about $86 a month. And his wife said, Tommy, 
why don't you go get a real job? And he came up with the perfect line, which I've used on my wife over the years. He said, honey, I know I can make it in real estate. You just keep working. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so how's your wife like that, that answer? (laughs) You know, she's actually been very supportive. Uh, You know, I I believe sometimes it's not easy being married to a realtor, the hours we work sometimes. And, and, uh, uh, but she, she knew what she was getting into, uh, almost 40 years ago. But, uh, uh, she was an escrow officer for over 20 years and she knew the business well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd like to say this because, yeah, realtors do work a lot. And sometimes there's a Saturday or a Sunday when everybody's off. Uh, you can detach from the phone. A realtor has to take that phone call. Um, but it may be five minutes and you're done. Yeah. You, you know, but you've spun the plate and, and, and moved on to where on Monday you can do more. So yeah. it's not like it's that yeah. hard. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, as uh, When my daughter was young, and this was before we were using emails and things like that. In case she's still listening, she is still young, George. Okay, yeah, she is. Uh, but, you know, in her mid-30s, let's say. Um, Every time we went somewhere, it seemed like I needed to drop papers off somewhere else first. So, you know, we we didn't go from point A to point B a lot of times. Mm. And it's funny to look at our jobs through our children. I remember when my son turned 18, I said, hey, Stephen, why don't you go get your real estate license? You can come work with me and, you know, I have a good clientele built up. You can really help get you started. He looked at me and said... No, I don't want to work that hard. He goes, all you ever do is work. Yeah. <laughs> well, you 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 know it. You get what you put into it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And and as a side note, my son then gets a job on a cruise ship where he works twelve hours a day. Oh yeah. Seven Long, days a week. Yeah. Stephen works hard. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. He he no longer complains about real estate. Yeah. Um. We are today, as we've already gotten started doing, we're going to tell some really good and fun and entertaining but educational real estate stories. How's that for a lot of adjectives? Go for it. Uh, I'd make my English teacher very happy with that. But um, between George and I, we've got a few years in the business and a few stories to tell. And um, it should be a, a fun, a very fun show. However, first, we do want to get started with a few stats so that people know um, what the market's like. George, you brought some there on active listings. Right. Uh, I've got uh, the totals for uh, Fresno, Clovis, and Madeira. So I'll start off with cities. The, the cities, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, not the county, just the city. Of, for instance, the city of Fresno right now. I knew there was no county of Clovis. <laughs> I knew that. That's the only one I mentioned that didn't have its own county. <laughs> okay. Um, so the the total for the city uh, active listings of city of Fresno is 839, and we're showing a median list price of 310,000. And uh, and an average, uh, if there's two ways to look at these statistics, and there's the the average number, which is a little over four hundred thousand, and then the median, which is three hundred ten thousand, and they derive the median number by half the listings are above the three ten and half are below. 
And it's funny because economists love to go by the median prices. I um, that. Yeah. But, but from a on-the-streets perspective, sometimes average seems you know, to be more appropriate. Seems like when we're talking to a seller, we're talking averages. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so for the city of Madeira, uh, they're showing a, a medium of 290 and an average of 332.6 and a total of 181 listings. 181 in the city of Madeira. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That That's actually some good inventory. I think people have some choices. Yeah. And, and uh, the city of Clovis, uh, 325 active listings, uh, medium 410,000, average 484.5. And, uh, uh, you know, they're up above, uh, which they seem to always be trending a little higher sales price, every sales. And I would suspect Clovis has higher prices because it's a newer city. Right. They've got they've got a lot of the new construction going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they don't like Fresno and Madera have a good portion of their homes that are eighty years old. Yeah. You know, yeah. built uh, prior to World War yeah. Two. I've got one that was built in nineteen twenty eight, right now in escrow. Okay. Any particular issues with that? Uh, well, I'm meeting the appraiser on Monday. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you'll have to come back next Saturday. Okay, and yeah. Oh, no, wait a minute. We already have a good guest for next oh, Saturday. Oh, yeah, good. I finally got a good one. Huh? I was, yeah, finally. <laughs> I wasn't insinuating that you weren't good. Okay. As our listeners can tell, George and I have known one another for a while. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. How about, I, I pulled some stats on closings so i'm wondering you know has our market changed at all has it shifted and so what i did is i pulled the last three years of solds for um january 1st through april the 20th now you might say why april the 20th well i went to the last friday prior to this last friday only because it sometimes takes two to three to four days to get things posted in the MLS. Um, So here's an interesting thing. So for this year, so far, there's 2,550 solds in Fresno and Madera County. Now we're talking counties Counties. now. Yeah, 2,550. That's down slightly because last year for that, that time period it was 2881 now sometimes you say well it was down but truly in statistics maybe just last year was up yeah last year seemed a little crazy uh you know just the feeling of the activity yeah so to work on that i went a year uh three years back so to 2017 for that same time period and um, it was 2,798. So, yeah, 18 was the high. But actually, they're all it's all in the it, same it's, ballpark. It's good. It's, those are good numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me give you the median prices, and I'm going to go upwards here. So I'm going to start with that. These are the, sa- the same solds I've been talking about. In 2017, the median price was 235000 In 2018, it went up 
to 255,000. So it went up 20,000. Yeah. Uh, 20, then in for this year, it went to 270. So it went up 15,000. So it's subtle. Nice, steady appreciation. Yeah. Nothing Uh, over the top. Yeah, and for the economists that are saying that we're having a slowdown in the rise, and I think that's important to know, we have a slowdown, but that doesn't mean it's in appreciation. It's just a slowdown in the rise. I think this is something that that you would consider sustainable. Okay, yeah. And you can't do the same thing every year. No. So, now one consistent part though is uh, the average sales price to list price. Um, in all three years, despite the price, despite the numbers, if you sold your home in the first thirty days, you would get about ninety-nine percent of asking price on an average. After thirty days, it drops to about three percent. Excuse me, 97%. And that's consistent throughout those three years. Yeah, that, that tells me it's, it, or I think, demonstrates how important it is to make sure you price your property correctly going in. Little different than when you started in real estate, right? Yeah. Where back then the philosophy was <laughs> throw it up there, <laughs> throw it up there, and then you could always come down, yeah. but you can't yeah. go up. Yeah. Um, All right, we are going to go to our first commercial break, but when we get back, we're going to give you some interesting real estate stories. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio with us today is George Meese of Meese Real Estate. Um, one of the larger offices in town, right? How, yes, how many people a, are in your office? Uh, it would be myself. <laughs> and my wife assists me. All right. Or it, carries me. I don't know it, what to say. Uh, I, I can answer that off the air. <laughs> how, however... Uh, and that goes to show you about the the beauty of this business. A uh, 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 one person office can do it, and, sure. and and has done it for many many years, mm-hmm. and been successful. Um, some people work in large large offices. In fact, over um, up north, in in Seattle, there there's a company there with thousands of people yeah. that work in yeah. the offices. Yeah, and I I enjoy working on my own. I love being around people, though, so I stay very involved with our association and things like that. And and uh, uh, in not fact, just you're a, this year's uh, chairman of the multiple listing service. That's right. Uh-huh. And the chair of Region 12, which is the associations between Madera and Tehachapi. Right. I I enjoy giving back to the business. It's, mm. I feel like it's been good to me, and uh, it's something I enjoy. Okay. Well, the theme of today's show is going to be, I thought we would uh, utilize the the history that George has. <laughs> and, and that doesn't mean you've been in it a long, long time. I mean, there's some people longer. Oh, yeah. I think I know of one or two. Yeah. Hi, Tom. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Tell us some of the the good stories, and and then yeah. I, I I brought along some good stories. Yeah, 
Uh, well, I don't know if you'd consider this a good story, but it's it's interesting when you're dealing with the public. You never know what you're going to get. Um, I had a home listed. Uh, it was out in Clovis. It was years ago. But uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, divorce sometimes is part of our business. And this was a divorce that was, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, it, to the point where there were restraining orders and things like that. And my uh, uh, seller, the lady, uh, this was a court-ordered sale, um, so it was, it was pretty nasty. But she came home one day and walked in her home, and there was a line of spray paint from the front door all the way through the dining room, across the drapes, through the kitchen, across the appliances, down the hallway, right across all their pictures, through the closets, all the way across the clothing, everything, all the way up through the home, all the way back to the front door. And, uh, I mean, it was crazy. And obviously there there was no sign of uh, uh, forced entry. Uh, anyway, it turned out that her insurance took care of everything. But, I mean, we all had our suspicions as to what had happened. But uh, it was a pretty stressful situation getting through that escrow. Yeah. And it's even during boom times, there are foreclosures sometimes, and I call them attitude foreclosures. And that's where it's usually involving a divorce Mm -hmm. where they don't want the other person to get a dime, and they're willing to risk their own dime. So it's crazy. Oh, yeah. And and since this was court-ordered, uh, you know, the the husband was required to sign all the papers, even though he was very adversarial every time I tried to bring it. I said, okay, you know, you don't sign it. If, I don't care. He goes, no, I have to sign. You know, anyway. I uh, good, si- good psychology there, yeah, yeah. George. Well, well <laughs> you know, he either signed it or not, but the ramifications fell back on him. Mm-hmm. You know, um and that's something that we can all learn from, and that is that uh, don't hurt one another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, speaking of divorces, sometimes it's hard for the parties of the divorce to understand that the realtor is just trying to generate enough net profit for the both parties. They can fight over that in court, but our, our job is not to favor one party or the other. It's just to to try and maximize the sale of that property. I I had a divorce case one time where it was very adversarial, and um, uh, it was about to be listed with another agent when I got the phone call. So I thought, well, let me talk to this other agent and find out what happened there because supposedly one person had signed with that agent but not the other. That agent was so demeaning towards one of the clients. In really? other words, she totally sided with one of the oh, really? divorcing yeah. spouses and against the other one. And now I see why that happened. Um, and it turned out that uh, that never, that probably never would have gone together, that, that sale, because it all would have favored one right, person. Right. Um, but it, uh, it, it did sell both parties, both the husband and the wife, ended up being good contributors to the escrow, Great. especially when they realized um, that they're both going to benefit. Yeah, let's work together on this. Yeah, and, 
And what I told him is I said, my job is to get as much money to the table for you as possible in the smoothest, easiest way. How you guys split it up, we're going to leave that to the attorneys. Yeah. Not, not, so I'm just the real estate agent That's here. right. <laughs> um, I've got a story here about never giving up. So I uh, had an escrow that it was going to be a quick 30-day, no problem escrow. And that's until the appraiser got involved. <laughs> and that created a problem. And it was such a bad appraisal that we made a decision that when I say we, the other agent, myself, the buyer, the seller, and the loan officer, we were all in it together with good communication and decided to let's pay for a second appraisal and just wipe out that first one. It all happened, but... You know, one delay caused another delay. It ended up going 90 days, and uh, but it did close. It closed, and, and everybody came out ahead. But the key to that was the good communication between everybody involved, except for the first appraiser. <laughs> well, that, you know what? It, it, a lot of things can be overcome if, if all the parties are willing to work together. I, I have a, a similar story where we had a low appraisal. The buyers loved this house. The seller had put a lot into it. It, uh, it was vacant. He had painted re, uh, new floor coverings. Did you know? It wasn't a flip home, but it's one that had been a, a, a rental for a long time. And, and he he went through all the proper things to really make the home marketable. And we were so disappointed with the appraisal, and, and on an FHA appraisal, you're you know you are stuck with that appraisal for a period of time. But between myself and the other agent and the uh, seller and and the buyer I was representing, we came up with a plan. They were willing to pay the money for the home, but they couldn't pay over appraisal. They didn't have the cash, but they decided to rent the home for one year, and. And we locked the sales price in, and uh, after one year we got another appraisal. They got the home, they lived in the home they wanted to live in. We got our appraisal after one year, and it became theirs. And uh, they did really well with it. And I I have to give a shout out to the agent, the the, the listing agent on that one because uh, uh, he's our current president of the California Association of Realtors, oh. and uh, uh, a good guy. Okay. That'd be Jared Martin. That's right. Um, so, once again, good communication right. is, is what did it. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can communicate going into a transaction. So there was uh, a situation last year where a home came out that was just perfect for my buyers, except that it said they're not going to be opening offers for the first five days. And here it was, day one. They were ready to make an offer. They wanted it. I kind of felt like it was a little, it was priced aggressively. There was going to be multiple offers, no doubt in my mind. So with good communication with the buyers, uh, we decided to go in with an offer that was too good for them to pass up. And what and on the first day we made an offer, we went in over asking price, and but with the proviso that they had to give us an answer in 24 hours, oh, yeah. so we weren't going to wait the five days. And 
you know, they, they came, it came back accepted. Great. And what the yeah. agent told me is they decided not to take a chance. Yeah. It sounds like these buyers really stepped up. Yeah, they did. And now looking back a year, year and a half later, they did really well. Good. Yeah. Good. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm going to uh, talk about a, a, a personal screw-up I did one time showing homes. Um, I was showing, I think, four or five homes up in the foothills. And, you know, we're obligated to keep control of the keys that are in our lockboxes at all times. And and so, uh, anyway, I showed the homes. I returned back to my home here in Fresno and uh, uh, was changing clothes. And I reached in my pocket, and there was the keys to one of the homes that I showed earlier. And, you know, my heart sunk. I'm going, you know, uh, I mean, that is, you, you do not remove the keys to the property. And so I immediately headed back to retrace my steps, and I found, I believe it was the third home I showed, that lockbox didn't have any keys in it. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, anyway, that was a, a, an all-day ordeal by the time I was finished. Well, that just goes to show that even realtors are human. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a little mess-up like that many years ago. In fact, to this day... My buyers say, why do you always knock and ring the doorbell when you know the home's vacant? Yeah. I said, well, let me tell you the story that happened 25 years ago. Going to show a vacant home, had the buyers with me, right behind me. Uh, there was the lockbox. The sign was out front. The address was right, or the numbers were right. I opened the door without knocking, without ringing, and there was a woman in there in a rope, and she screamed. She was it's like, what are we doing there? I go, God, I am so sorry. Right. I said, but it's, it, it so shows vacant. that, yeah, yeah it shows right. vacant. And she looked at it, She goes, you're on the wrong street. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I was on Renwood, not Dovewood. <laughs> and um, so that's why I'm ultra careful now. Yeah. 25, yeah. Maybe, maybe even 30 years later. Okay, with that, we got to go to a commercial break. Now that you know we're all human, and we can make mistakes, but we could still laugh about That's it. That's right. All right. Uh, stay tuned as we have more stories coming your way. Another airplane, another sunny place. I'm lucky, I know, but I want to go home. I've got to go Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And George Meese, realtor, is here in the office with us. And uh, the office, the studio. <laughs> See, that's... Um, Our offices are mobile. That's right. In fact, one of the funniest things you've ever said or, to or stories you've told me is um, kind of a rendition of You Must Be a Redneck If. But this one was called You Must Be a Realtor If You're... Your passenger seat in your car doubles as your office and your lunch table. <laughs> you know, that's funny, Don. I, I remember uh, you and I traveling to Sacramento one time uh, for our uh, California Association of Realtors business meeting, and we were taking turns calling each, uh, calling our clients, dealing with phone calls, and uh, we're riding along, and I would uh, not answer my phone if Don was on the phone and vice versa, and kind of took turns, and 
I remember my phone rang, and it was Don who was sitting next to me said, can we talk? (laughs) (laughs) I think we were like 20 miles away from Sacramento, and we hadn't even had a conversation yet. (laughs) It was one of those busy times. Of course, there was a time about a month ago I came to your house. We were sitting there in the patio having a drink, and um, it really made me feel bad. You got like seven calls all in an hour and I had to call somebody to a friend of mine to ask him to call me so I could look busy too. <laughs> so, well, sometimes the uh, glamorous life of a realtor. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but. Now you had a, another story you wanted to tag on to. Yeah, uh, after your last story about uh, uh, walking in with someone in the home, uh, uh, this again was years ago, but I was showing a vacant home, and. You know, I'm, I myself and the clients are in the home, and you just have a feeling like there's someone there. And there was a closed bedroom door, and I opened it. There's a light on. A, it was during the winter, a space heater, a blanket on the floor, and a bottle of wine. And I noticed the closet door moved, and so I said, you know, hey, who, who is this? And the voice out of the closet said, uh, I'm the owner of the home. Uh I'll be out in just a minute. Give me a minute. And so my clients and I went out out in front of the house, and he came out uh, very uh, red-faced and said, uh, could you please come back in a little while? And <laughs> I didn't ask what was going on, but I don't think I needed to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was, you know, it's just some of the weird things you happen to, you know, we're, we're out in the streets and the trenches all the time, and you come across some weird things. And, of course, the hard part is you have to translate that to your client. Yeah. And so it's... Um, yeah, make your own conclusions. <laughs> yeah, but it is an interesting job. Yeah. Now, you and I both have served as an expert witness in court cases. That's correct. Um, tell us about a, something we could learn from those. Okay, well, you know, there's really, it's some, there's some interesting things that go on. It's... it's, it's uh, first of all, I'd say it's, it's really too bad that anytime anything ever ends up in court, I've that's one thing I've really learned is, uh, you know, I you'd I would think that would be the last thing a person would want to do. But uh, I was asked to be a, a witness on a case where the buyer had purchased an older home, actually right you know near downtown Fresno. And uh, uh, the the person that owned the property owned the property next to it. And there was a, uh, uh, a fence between the two homes, and so uh, the, that was falling down. But the the buyers had mentioned to the seller that they would be willing to help uh, split the cost of a new fence, you know, after escrow closed, and and nothing was said. But right after escrow closed, the seller of the property was down knocking down the old fence and putting up a new one which came right to the very corner of their home, not where the old fence was. And and w- she explained to him that the property line was actually the side of the house. Their AC unit was on that side of the house. Uh, with that fence there, they couldn't even come out and wash the windows on that side of the home. And and they felt that they were led to believe that that fence that was previously there was the boundary line. And so um, 
anyway, it, it did go to court, and and the, I uh, believe the the ultimate ruling was that they were uh, to do a lot line adjustment so that they would have access to all sides of their property. Um, I don't know if that ever actually happened, but that my part was done. Uh, so I, I would my takeaway from that is when you're dealing with an older home, I uh, I would make sure you're pretty sure of where those boundaries uh, lie. I I I sold uh, one recently where we had a question because both of the garages, uh, actually the the eaves on on one garage was over the eaves of another the the neighboring garage by about three or four inches. And so, you know, there's a you know, that would be a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It and I've got a expert witness story here that um, there's a lot to learn from. And the situation was this is back in 2009, 2010 when there was a lot of foreclosures going on, and, and a lot of them were from the subprime mortgages where you had adjustable rates at or balloon payments, negative amortization, all kinds of odd things that the typical person doesn't understand. So, you know, because a payment might go up from $600 a month to $1,500 a month. Yeah, it was crazy. So there were a lot of law firms that were out there chasing that ambulance and getting people involved in lawsuits. So I got hired on as an expert witness uh, on this one case, and I just think it was really funny uh, that this guy actually got involved in a lawsuit when he had a fixed-rate mortgage as opposed to one of the subprimes, right. but he probably got sucked into the whole thing. But I remember how quickly the, in depositions, I was sitting there waiting to, to go up, and in depositions it was, um, sir, do you have a... Adjustable rate mortgage or a fixed rate mortgage? Guy said, Oh, I have a fixed rate. I wouldn't want an adjustable. Then what part of $1,329 did you not understand? <laughs> and that, and he said, and That's all my questions. <laughs> so, wow. So the story there is yeah. be, when you get sucked into a lawsuit or brought into one, make sure you have thought it through and that you really have, you were actually harmed. harmed. Yeah. yeah. By the way, the guy had lost the home in foreclosure, uh, and that and he was trying to recover. Uh, so the, but he, what's your defense? what's your claim? Yeah. Yeah. What's your claim? I yeah. mean, the payment yeah. never changed on him. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, those those loans back then. Uh, you know, obviously his loan was was I would say fine. But some of those loans were just incredible, and and actually I've seen a, a little bit of that now, not with the actual mortgage loans, but with with the improvement loans that uh, you know Pace and Hero loans that sometimes are put on a property. I had a client that called me and very excited that uh, uh, he had put on a new AC unit and and solar, and uh, and then they came back and did his windows. <laughs> And then his, because of these uh, 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 property taxes, you know, these the cost of these items were put onto his property taxes. I don't know if people understand that, but his payment actually doubled. And I don't know what he was thinking when he he signed up for these things, but it 
uh, he could not sustain the payment, even though he had equity, and so we could get him out of it. But uh, you know, it it really kind of ruined his dream. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to another commercial break right now, but when we get back, George is also a landlord and has also been a tenant before, as I have too. So we've got some good stories on those issues. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio is George Meese, realtor, and we are given some stories that we've encountered over the past that might be interesting, educational, but if nothing else, they're entertaining. I mean, there's been some uh, some funny ones there. I, I've got a. I want to start off with a rental story because I said we're both. Uh, you know, we both have rented and we both have been landlords in the past. Yeah, you know, Don, I don't know if we, uh, when I was a college student, if we even asked our landlord for our deposit back. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a, a really time ago. <laughs> that's a really good point. And um, uh, so at least you were aware. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I had one where some people uh, made an application. And he said, I want to be really honest with you. Um, we're being evicted from the place we're in right now. But there was just something about the guy that is like, man, he just seemed honest and very respectful. And, and, and anyway, so I, I talked to the landlord and he said, yeah, he goes, I am evicting them. But he says, I'll tell you what, they're good people. I go, well, then why are you evicting them? He said, the son's living with them and they're they're." They're having to move. He goes, I would rent to this guy again and again. So anyway, that was enough. That convinced me. I did rent to the parents. Uh-huh. And that started a relationship that uh, of total respect over the years. Um, they were so good. They took such good care of the place. They were so respectful in, in, in dealing with me and uh, asking for repairs to be done. They were just on top. They were good tenants. Yeah. They were good human beings. Um, then he said, well, God, I hate to tell you this, but we need to move to Madeira. I said, you know, I've got a home coming up in Madeira. So I rented to them there. Oh, he, awesome. Yeah. They ended up renting from me for about 15 years yeah. um, to the part point where they felt like family. In fact, um, when the wife passed away, I went to the funeral, and there he was with this little statuette, and he said, this was Maurice. Oh. He said, I want want you to give this to your daughter. Oh, great. Yeah, it, yeah. it's like, because um, I had told him stories about my daughter, and, mm-hmm. and they both shared the same last name, or not last name, <laughs> they, uh, the same middle name, and so... This little statue, statuette he gave to yeah. my daughter. And to me, that that just meant the world. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I have something similar. I had, uh, uh, it was over 25 years ago, I rented a home uh, to this family. <clears throat> young kids. They had young kids. And, and uh, they struggled with the rent for a, a couple years. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, it seemed like it was always late. And. Anyway, we tried to work with them, but they 
ultimately filed for bankruptcy, and and that was probably twenty four or twenty two years ago, maybe. They have never been late. I, they're still my tenants over mm-hmm. twenty five years. Um, I don't raise the rent. I've never raised the rent, and they don't bug me. If something big goes out, like a water heater, they'll call me. But it's funny, uh, uh, maybe 10 years ago, one of my neighbors was remodeling their kitchen, and they had a perfectly good dishwasher. I thought, well, you know, that dishwasher's got to be getting pretty old. I called my tenant, uh, and they're great people, and then said, hey, you know, there's I've got a really you know, good as new dishwasher would, he goes, I've already changed it. <laughs> and so I go, okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, anyway, there, things really worked out. They've watched them raise their kids there. And, uh, uh, we've all just, uh, I feel like are, are friends. And so last year during the elections, there was, uh, all the advertisements about all landlords being big corporate greedy people. Not not the case, is it? No, I you know obviously if if they were to move out, I would probably have to really go through that home and and change everything. But they're happy paying way below market rent, and and I'm happy to have good tenants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not always about the dollar. Yeah. Um, now, if rent control comes in, you're probably going to have to change your style. Yeah, you're going to have to take what they. What the government yeah. allows. Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't come to a city near us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or to a state near yeah. us. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's already in our state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's an. I have one where I had a four bedroom. I had it rented out on Section Eight, and I was getting nine hundred and fifty a month for it for the last few years. Uh, I thought I could probably raise it to a thousand dollars a month. And then this one person came along and seemed like the best fit for in the neighborhood because her uh, her godmother lived across the street. Mm-hmm. And anyway, she said, but I only have a two-bedroom voucher for Section 8, um, so I could only get $790 a month uh, for it. I did it because it just... It, Felt right. Yeah, it did. Anyway, that was six years ago. That person is still in there. Haven't raised the rent. It's still seven ninety, but that has helped stabilize that neighborhood, that block, because now you have these two uh, mature, respectful people across the street from one another, and it, it's just changed things. Yeah, I have one that that doesn't quite tug at your heartstrings so much. Um, I, I or own, your pocketbook? Yeah, yeah. Well, it tugged at my pocketbook. I, I own a uh, uh, townhouse condominium, and uh, uh, my tenants ended up getting a divorce. She moved out. He, luckily, I didn't have to evict him. But I, when I went back to the property, there is a hole in the downstairs bathroom wall with a big wire sticking into the home running all the way to the garage, I realized that that hole backed up to the uh, uh, electric meter. And he had wired into the electric meter ahead of the, before the electricity gets to the meter, and obviously was growing pot in the garage and stealing power from PG&E. I... 
in addition to having to redo everything else in the in the uh, unit, uh, I called an electrician. He said this could have burnt the whole complex down. Wow. And uh, anyway, was able to get it corrected, but luckily that didn't happen. But uh, that's right. Yeah. Now I kind of want to turn things to uh, some stories about over the top service. And I got to tell you what started this off. Earlier in the week, I was. Uh, visiting my father, who happened to be in the hospital, uh, at the VA hospital. And the janitor comes by, and he just said something to my dad about his hat that he was wearing, which was a John Deere hat. And he goes, you a Dodger fan? He goes, I got a Dodger hat for you if you want it. My dad says, yeah, yeah, I am a Dodger fan. The guy called his wife to bring the hat to the hospital so he could give it to my dad. And the reason he didn't just bring it back the next day is he said, I understand you might be going home uh, before I get back tomorrow, which, by the way, he did. But And then he said, hey, thank you for your service that you gave our country. That's wonderful. And all I could think of saying is, man, thank you for your over-the-top service. I mean, he made... This guy, my, he made my dad feel so good. You know, that's wonderful, but he didn't have a giant hat? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, and the worst part is he was a Cubs fan, oh, and, right? and the Dodgers were playing the Cubs oh, that day. Okay. So uh, here, here's another one I want to tell. I got a call yesterday from another realtor. I'm going to even give his name, Julian Coronado. And I was blown away by his over-the-top service. He said, hey, I'm looking for uh, a home to rent, and somebody told me you might have one. He goes, it's for a client of mine. She lost her home uh, and had to do a, uh, well, she lost the home somehow. Um, She needs it for only a short period of time, um, and she she, uh, can pay six months rent in advance and I said you know Julian I don't have anything available right now but he said well can you try this I mean and what I saw in him was that he was doing this for a client he was going to make nothing in it for him nothing in it for him he's not going to get paid a commission but he was trying so hard and just the fact that he reached out to me yeah. As a, you know, looking for something for right. this client right. was over the top. Yeah, yeah, that's above and beyond. Yeah, I had another one. In fact, you know this guy, uh, Jaime from Jaime's oh, Flooring. Sure. So here he's he installed the carpet and the and the uh, laminate flooring in mm-hmm. the in the home. But the seller was uh, obsessed with the addresses. On the, uh, it was missing a digit on the oh, outside okay. of the house, and um, anyway, next thing you know, Jaime shows up with some new digits to to put up there. No now kidding. he's the flooring guy, yeah, but he heard her talking and ups or obsessed with that. You know, Jaime did the flooring in our home, my daughter's home. We he's great, awesome guy. Yeah. Well, George, I want to thank you. I. Um, I always enjoy listening to your stories. I hope our listeners did, too. Well, Don, I hope I haven't told them to you ten times before. (laughs) You have. You've just forgotten. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Okay. And and tune in next week. We have City Councilman Luis Chavez, who's going to visit with us in the studio and uh, talking about some good things that are happening in his area. 
And thank you for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio every Saturday. We sure appreciate it.